Good morning and welcome to the Parent Page, the podcast where we bring all the crazy from your kid's college parent page offline and give you the straight story from inside the ivory tower of a college campus. I'm Leslie Zox. And I'm Mindy Horowitz. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. How's it going? I can't believe I'm saying this, but everyone's good. Everyone's good? My whole family. What? I know. It's been a good week. Everyone's in a good spot. And my people, we call that a jinx. You have now (laughs) utterly blown it. By the end of the day today, you'll have a kid in quarantine Uh, and six other... Stop, stop, stop. Sorry. Okay. Well, um, I'm very excited that everything is going so well in the Horowitz household. Um, It's a crazy, crazy time of year on college campuses. It's April, and you know what that means. I sure do. It's Admitted Student Month. Congratulations. Congratulations to everybody with Admitted Students. Now it's time. Now it's time. It's decision time. Crazy. Crunch time. So for those of you who have just finished your, as my sister-in-law calls it, non-consensual um, mechanical bull ride of the college admissions process. It's time to join the parent and page. And hopefully you have some admissions in hand. It is time to join the parent page. Ooh. Now, some of you will be joining multiple parent pages because your child will continue to torture you through the entire month of April. While they're weighing every pro and con of the different <laughs> universities to which they've been accepted. And those of you who are very lucky will we'll find yourself in a period of indecision. Oh, gosh. Of the April indecision. Yeah, April indecision. I like it. Yeah, it's April indecision time, 2022. Well, Mindy, um, can you share with me what your very earliest memories are of having joined the first parent? You're on a couple of different parent pages because you have kids in a couple of different schools. Correct, correct. But what, how, tell me about your discovery of your parent page community. Do you remember what that I was do. Like? I do. I, I remember it well. <laughs> the, the, so you join the page. Uh huh. You answer a couple questions. Right. Like, like, I have a kid in this class. He's going to be majoring in X, and he, you join the page, and then they say, Hey, new members, why don't you introduce yourselves? To the page. Really? Yeah. You know, so welcome to all our new members. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Here's my first piece of... Keeping in mind, these are total strangers. Right. The only thing you have in common with them is that your child may or may not be going to the same. Correct. So these introductions, great time not to, to remember... Don't embarrass your student. Don't it's embarrass a, your student. It's not really about you. Yeah. So the introductions are... Um, Keep it short and sweet. Yeah, exactly. And, and generic. I think generic is the operative generic, word. Generic, yeah. Like, for example, you don't say, Hi, my name is Mindy Horwitz and my son has irritable ball syndrome. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm looking for a local gastroenterologist. Correct. Correct. Yeah, maybe wait on that Correct. a little bit. Or, or send a few um, direct messages to folks. <laughs> don't who, fall prey. Don't fall prey to the overshare uh, straight out of the gate. Believe it or not, these kids, they have a tendency to hear about what happens on the parent page, and it's a, a huge opportunity to embarrass your child. So our goal is not to embarrass our, our, our children on the parent pages. So welcome to your parent pages, wherever they may be. And um, the other thing I was thinking is that during this time of year on our parent page, we tend to get a lot of parents who are still shopping on their student's behalf because their student hasn't necessarily made a decision and I spend the entire month of April indecision April um (laughs) 
cringing every time I see a post wondering to myself how many parents have now written off our university because of something somebody said on the parent page. Well, I think that... It's horrifying. It's for sure horrifying. Yeah. And I think that the, the whole notion of just scroll on, use it. I mean, use it, take advantage of it, get every resource you can out of it, yeah. but, but but take it with a grain of salt. A huge grain of salt. These um, are strangers to you. You sh- don't have really very much in common with most of them any any more than you would with just the general public. So just, um, you know, wade in slowly to your parent page community and try not to take it very seriously. And use that scroll and use that scroll button. That's and the search function. Oh, search. Yes. Yeah. The search function for people who um, have a question that's probably a pretty straightforward question. For example, what hotels are near searching? How many times have I seen the list of recommended hotels. The recommended restaurants. The recommended restaurants, how to get from the airport, right. how long it takes to get from the airport. The search the search function the is... The search function is your friend. Absolutely. And um, don't don't be afraid to ask questions if you really have them, but just keep in mind that there are a lot of parents on these pages who have been around for a long time and... Um, it may have already been asked. It's probably already been asked. Yeah. Great resource. Huge grain of salt. Amen. Amen, sister. Okay. So, Leslie, you want to fill us in? What are we talking about this week? Yeah, I'm so excited about this week. Um, This is actually an issue that's near and dear to my heart. My son is 19. And when he turned 18, before he went off to college last year, we realized there were all of these new legal issues that between parent and child that we had to learn how to re-navigate because he's a legal adult right and students going off to college now have this new dynamic in partnership with their parents that parents might not be aware of before they send their child off to school so um, it's really a dynamic relationship between the university that they choose the parent and the child and we thought this would be a great opportunity to get parents starting to think about how to document and create that formal relationship so that if issues arise, God forbid, when the child goes off to school. It's a big God forbid. It's a big God forbid, but everything is in place to make the legal parts of it operate much more smoothly going forward. It's not a topic that parents love to talk about. Certainly kids couldn't be bothered, but um, but it really is important as, as children go off to college. And it can get really confusing. So I think we need to talk about what the issues are, what challenges may arise, and do a little bit of basic planning so that uh, we can avoid any kind of headache later down the road. Yeah. Just set yeah. it up in advance. That's right. And especially because oftentimes students are going to colleges and universities in different states. Right. Where laws might be different. Right. So for this, we absolutely need an expert, which is why I'm thrilled to introduce the Parent Page Podcast's favorite legal expert, <laughs> Bridget McAndrew. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you so much for having We're me. We're so excited. Thank you for getting up on a Saturday morning to join us in Mindy's podcasting basement. <laughs> <laughs> There's no place I'd rather be. <laughs> um, Bridget began her career as a prosecutor in Memphis for the state of Tennessee. Her husband's education prompted a move to Cleveland, Ohio, where she worked for the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland and then a staff attorney for Cuyahoga County. She's proud to work for an organization that provides excellent estate planning to individuals of all financial backgrounds. Bridget enjoys working with families to ensure that their estate planning needs are met and their loved ones are taken care of. Perfect. So, um, Bridget, we invited you to help us help parents 
figure out what the legal relationship is between themselves and their new college student and how they can best prepare for that transition. I'm sure there's a lot that goes into that. There definitely is. Um, You know, I think that um, there's so many changes as our children get older. Um, But I think once our children turn 18, I think one of the big surprises to parents, which You know, I think they can expect a lot of different things. Um, Children become more independent. They do things that we would never expect them to do. But I think parents don't realize that when a child turns 18, the rest of the world, even though as parents, we are always going to see our children as our children, um, the rest of the world views the relationship totally different. All of a sudden, we cannot make uh, important legal decisions, important decisions related to them um, when they turn 18. You know, they, we are also not able to um, find out information from them that is legally protected. So I think it's really important. Um, and as an estate planning lawyer, one of the things we do is prepare these student plans. Um, and there's a number of documents um, that parents can um that parents can go through with their children um, to help protect them and navigate this relationship as they um, after they turn 18. Yeah. Can you give us an example of some of the decisions that parents have been very comfortable making for their children all along that all of a sudden now they are no longer allowed to make these decisions? Sure. I mean, I think the perfect example of, of course, is related to their health care. You know, before 18, um, if your child is in an accident and they need emergency medical care, you can walk into the emergency room and the doctor is legally required to talk to you. But as soon as that child turns 18, um, if there is not certain documents in place because of HIPAA privacy laws, because of um, different legal ramifications of turning 18, that same doctor cannot talk to you. That can be a terrifying scenario for a lot of parents, and particularly in an emergency situation. Right. Sure. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of children do not go to school in the same city that their parents are still in. So I think getting that phone call from a roommate or a friend saying, um, so-and-so has been in an accident, um, they're going to the hospital. If you call that hospital, and again, there aren't certain documents in place that physician cannot legally be required to talk to you to even tell you what the status of your child is exactly it's overwhelming it is it's It's absolutely overwhelming this is the kind of thing that i shut down on (laughs) you know i don't think you're alone i think a lot of it's a lot easier for me to make a list of i need um twin sheets and a trash can and a (laughs) bar of soap than to actually think about this stuff because you don't want to have to think about this stuff Well, and I think that's really important because you don't want to think about this stuff. No parent wants to think about their child getting in an accident when they're 300, 400, 100 miles away. Um, That's a very difficult decision, a very difficult discussion to have with your child um, about what might happen. So in addition to the healthcare conundrum, what other kinds of information is protected information that parents might be surprised to learn they don't have access to now that their child is over the age of 18? Sure. There's a um, couple of different things. So um, one of the other laws, in addition to privacy laws, is something called FERPA, which stands for the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. 
So up until up until a child is 18, that right belongs to the parents. And that law kind of very loosely basically um, is a law that affords parents the right to have access to their children's education records, um, the right to have those records amended, um, and just um, the right to have some control over the disclosure of personally identifiable identifiable information related to their child's education. So again, up until 18, that right belongs to the parents. However, upon turning 18, that right transfers to the student. So if a child, um, if a child, for instance, if a parent realizes that their child is, doesn't sound right on the phone, isn't corresponding via email, um, you know, a parents, those red flags are going up that they're concerned. So they want information from the university to find out, is this child going to class? Um, is this child uh, visiting the healthcare center? Well, if a parent calls up and says, you know, can you tell me if my child's going to class? Are they leaving the dorm? Um, what are their grades? Exactly. What yeah. are their grades? And this parent could be paying 100% of the tuition. It does not matter. A university cannot legally tell a parent um, whether or not their child is going to school. Because that, again, that privacy right related to their education has gone from the parent to the student upon mm -hmm. turning 18. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of the anxiety that we see on the parent page when there's an issue on campus and in the age of COVID, you can just assume that there is always 100% of the time an issue on campus. And the, um, you know, the frustration, the anxiety that parents have, it seems all sort of related back to this concept of control, mm -hmm. which is 100% understandable. Um, and I, I try not to be too cavalier about it, just given the fact that I'm right there. Um, but I assume there are legal mechanisms in place that can give parents and students collaboratively more um, common ground and understood control over the situation. Exactly. So, you know, much like HIPAA, which I think we're all more familiar with because it's, uh, you know, we walk into our doctor's offices every day and I feel like I'm constantly having to sign HIPAA waivers or mm, related to mm -hmm. my children. Right. So in much the same way that a child can tailor a HIPAA waiver to disclose how much information they're going to give to their agents if they cannot, you know, correspond themselves. Mm -hmm. A FERPA waiver, which again stands for that federal law, allows children to name their parents as agents so that they can kind of be um, also able to um, have access to educational information past the age of 18. Mm -hmm. um, and I should clarify because I don't want to mislead um, parents. If you claim your child as a dependent on your tax return, you are actually legally still able to have some access to their education records past a certain age. But, you know, I think when you are wanting this information, you don't want to start faxing your tax returns to <laughs> a university. That's not really a very efficient way of doing things. No, um, but I want to make that sure that delay. that's clear. But yeah. that can certainly delay the information. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. so the student has to agree to the FERPA. If the student agrees to the FERPA, the university accepts it and then will give dole out that information if, if asked? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Bridget, can you break down for us in some sort of simple, is there a way to simplify this? Because as I said, I get easily overwhelmed by all these mm -hmm. documents. Can you speak to us as non-lawyers and help us to understand what a to-do list? Give us some tasks. 
Sure. Um, you know, it's not um, it's not very complicated in terms of, you know, there are really um, five documents. Okay. Um, so when I meet with students and their parents, again, these are um, children that have just turned 18. And there are really five different documents that um, my law firm prepare, prepares for students. Um, this a durable power of attorney for healthcare, which is um, a document where you name agents. So a child would name agents. Um, and again, this would only come into um, effect if a child can't otherwise speak for themselves. So oftentimes a child will name a parent or an older sibling as an agent. Um, the other document in tandem with that is, of course, this HIPAA waiver. Um, so again, if a child can't communicate, um, a parent would be able to access information over the phone and be able to talk to physicians if need be. Um, additionally, uh, we recommend a durable power of attorney for finances, which is kind of everything outside of the healthcare arena. So a lot of times children, when they're 18, we give them bank accounts or they might have a car in their name. Um, so again, this allows uh, 18 year old children um, to name agents um, that can help them if they can't otherwise write checks or, um, you know, make a loan payment. If a student leaves school and they're on the hook for loan payments, student loan payments, which, you know, many people are these days, um, if they're out of the country, parents can facilitate uh, financial payments. Um, if they've, again, had this particular document in place. Um, the next thing, which is a difficult thing, again, for any parent to have with their child, but we recommend they talk about end-of-life decisions. Um, you know, we like to say that we deal in we deal in possibilities, not probabilities. Is it probable that your child is going to be in a horrific accident during college? No. However, it's important to have these, at least start these discussions with your child. So to have, you know, this medical directive in place where you have talked to your child if they are in, again, a horrific accident, um, and there needs to be some decision making on whether they want life prolonging care, that document is in place for them. Because again, we don't want a parent having to go to the local court um, in Kansas or in California to try to figure out um, whether or not there'll be life prolonging care in this yeah. case. And then the last one, which we've already talked about, is this FERPA uh, document, which again allows parents to still have access to that educational information. So, just to again, I know that that's a lot, but there are just these five simple documents that we can put in place which are not complicated mm -hmm. um, and which I think will. Um, a lot of parents have told me it's kind of like an insurance policy. Yeah. By putting this in place, we can hopefully ensure that none of this, none will, of this will ever, ever happen. Yes, no, exactly. No, but I mean, your point about um, a, a parent being able to touch a child's uh, bank account in the event that the child's even just out of the country, these kids study abroad. I exactly. studied abroad when I was in college. And knowing that, you know, my parent could get to the bank <laughs> right. and, and do something with my bank account if necessary, you know, it would have been very challenging for me to have to try to deal with that from abroad. So these, these things really um, are in place when you need them. Um, and it's impossible to envision every scenario in which they might be necessary. Bridget, are they the same in every state? <clears throat> are these five documents universal? or what, what's the They are not, unfortunately. Uh -huh. I mean, the HIPAA waiver, because it's a federal law, and FERPA. Um, but no, unfortunately. So if your child is um, coming to school in Missouri, I would be able to help you. But if your child's going to somewhere in California, you'll have to have documents that 
really pertain to that particular to school. Yeah, so that's a really important point because yeah. I think that um, that's where I think a lot of the anxiety comes in is like, well, how do I work with somebody in a different state? Um, and I think the reality is that, <clears throat> and we were talking earlier that sometimes these documents might be available through the child's university. Um, or even in other online um, venues. So they don't necessarily have to contact a lawyer in a different state, but they have to make sure they've got the documentation that is legally binding in that state. Right, exactly. Um, you know, I think universities differ widely on how much information are made available to parents and students about this, especially related to FERPA. Um, and that's not because universities are trying to keep things quiet or keep things from parents. But, you know, I think parents and children, of course, are so focused on who the roommate's going to be, mm-hmm. what their classes right. are going to be, mm-hmm. that when a university talks about this or sends, you know, the umpteenth email or umpteenth piece of paper that this maybe list this information on, it's not something people want. Again, people don't want to think about this in the first place. And it's also a piece of paper and email that gets lost and you just don't think about it. So, so as you know, I'm, I'm all about the to-do list. So again, tell us where do we go from here? Do we contact a lawyer? Do we go online? How do we make this happen for the fall? So, um, you know, I think, I think the most important thing is that they're done correctly. So whether you contact a lawyer, um, there are certainly online options that are available. Um, I get a little bit more concerned when people are looking online because I don't know where those documents come from. Um, When you're actually working with a lawyer, the lawyer will ensure that they're done correctly for the state that you're in and certainly that they're executed properly. Um, A medical directive especially um, will not be deemed um, valid in a court of law if there's not witnesses, um, two witnesses, um, and it's notarized. So I think it's just important that however you get these documents, and it's very important that you do, um, that they're done correctly and executed properly. And once they're done, are they done? How long are they, how long do they last? So if your child's 18 and, um, you know, their living will is done, their durable power of attorney for finances and health care, um, it really lasts indefinitely until they are changed and they execute new documents. And once they get older and perhaps have partners and children, um, hopefully they will, um, you know, execute new documents. Yeah, this is fantastic. This has been great. Thank you yeah. for breaking it down for us. And again, it's not as fun as the color of the duvet. No, it's no. not. Or the roommate debate, which is always a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it is something that I find that a lot of parents think about at the 11th hour, right. just before they come back to campus. Right. And um, and then there's a mad scramble for a notary and, you know, the local notary who can come and notarize everything. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows where to get a notary anymore. Right. Nobody goes to the bank anymore, you know, right. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's really wise for parents as they're putting their mental checklist together for everything they need to do in the next three or four months as they're preparing to send their children to college. This is a a very, very important, um, important point for them to think about. And it's something that they can do more effectively than their students can do for themselves. Bridget, can you give us your website just in case anyone wants to check you out and see what you all offer? Sure. Yeah. And I just want to say, too, I think that... You know, a lot of people, a lot of clients tell us, so it's it's hard to pull the trigger on this. It's hard to kind of make that first step. But once they do it, 
they say, wow, that was not nearly as hard as I thought not it would a big be. Deal. Um, yeah. So our my again, my name's Bridget McAndrew, and our website is inkwell.law. So I-N-K-W-E-L-L dot law. Great. Well, thank you so much. You've helped us, um, I think, really break down another very anxiety-producing topic. And hopefully people will hear it earlier than they typically otherwise would have and will get started on it during the summer when they have time to get through it calmly and rationally and in partnership with someone whom they trust. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us for another uh, exciting episode of the Parent Page Podcast. I'm Leslie Zox. I'm Mindy Horwitz. And remember... The kids are fine. They are fine. Everything is fine. Just fine. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Bridget. The Parent Page Podcast is brought to you with sound editing from Jeff Easton. You can communicate with Mindy and Leslie through email at theparentpagepodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your questions, suggested topics for discussion, or notes from the parent pages in your life. Join us next time and we promise to keep working to help with the parent page crazy and help make sense of it all. And remember, the kids are fine. Everything's fine.